This is Off Air, the juicy designer podcast for creatives. I'm Abby from Abby Design. And I'm Katie from Wildflower Design Co. And we're here to share the secrets behind what it's really like to own a freelance design business. Hey, and welcome back to the last episode of season one, Cue the Tears. The first season has been so much fun and full of learning for both me and Katie and for you guys as well. We have shared lots of advice, tips and things that we have been through and we have honestly been so overwhelmed by the response of this podcast. So on our last episode, we are kicking things off with a really fun Q&A answering all of your questions that you guys have submitted through Instagram. We got a lot of questions as well that were kind of relating to a lot of things that we've already spoken about. Um, So if you do find that we don't answer your question in this episode, maybe go back and have a listen to some of our other episodes and see if we talk about it in there. Are you sad that this is our last episode for season one? Because I am. Do you know what? I feel like it's a bit bittersweet because while I'm quite looking forward to having a bit of a break from it, I'm also going to be quite sad that like we're not we're not doing it do you know what I mean I feel like we've gotten so used to our like weekly calls it's been so nice to just talk to another designer as well I know we've said this in the past but like I don't speak to anyone sort of about design so just having that conversation has been so Uh so nice yeah completely I mean don't get me wrong though we have so many fun things that we've got planned um coming up in the future we have a couple of bonus episodes maybe coming over the summer period so don't worry you're not gonna completely miss us for the next few months we'll still be (laughs) we'll still be uh finding our way into your earbuds somehow um (laughs) we'll still be active on Instagram as well so if you don't follow us on there make sure you head over there it is at off air pod where we sort of post weekly things just about design and some stuff that we've covered in the podcast too Mm -hmm. and also something quite exciting um abby and i over on the off-air podcast um instagram we're going to be doing a like finale party live that you guys can join in on um so we will be sharing um the date and time and everything of that over on our instagram at off-air pod so again if you don't follow us go over there for loads of bonus content and we're just going to be having a little fun kind of party so kicking it off with the first question and I wanted to start with this one because I thought it was a bit of fun and I thought that it would just be a really fun way to kick things off so if you didn't do branding design what route would you have gone down so if you were still a designer but weren't doing branding oh my god that has put me on the spot um (laughs) do you know what I'm trying to think what I would do. Um, it's almost like when you get so used to doing branding, yeah. you kind of forget that there are so many other things in I mean, design I, as in, well. I'm trying to think of things that I wouldn't want to do, even though that isn't the question. <laughs> but I I really don't like doing sort of like magazine layouts and sort of editorials. Oh, seriously. See, yeah. that's the opposite. When I was first getting into design and when I first went to uni and literally all throughout like, my teenage years, I wanted to be like a magazine editor. Did like you? I wanted to work in magazines um, or even maybe like book publishing, like doing the covers and stuff. But that very quickly changed See, <laughs> when to I me, got to uni. That just... I don't know I find that quite like boring because it's like a lot of text and layout and for me my style is quite playful and out there and Mm -hmm. I don't know I just when I used to work at my old job there were some bits where I had to sort of do layouts and I was just like I hate it (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah I'm trying to think what I would do um I don't know you know I think I've always just really hard yeah I think I've always just (laughs) 
done branding I mean before Mm. I did branding I did used to do sort of like illustrations and on Procreate I'd do do those sort of illustrations so maybe it would have been more of like an illustrator and got better at drawing because drawing isn't actually like my strong point but when I was at college I did fine art and graphic design and I used to love fine art I used to love getting really creative with paints and using procreate so maybe I would have taken down the illustrator route yeah, that's so interesting. It's just so like funny to think of all the different areas of design. I mean, I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else no. right now, to be honest. I mean, branding and packaging and even like the strategy side to things. I just love it. Like, and I never intended to go into this, but yeah. I did and I love it. So would yours be the editorial then? Do you think that's what you Probably. would have gone down? Probably. Yeah. I, cool. I'm, I can tell you now the one thing that I cannot design to save my life, and I can tell you this because I used to be made to do it at uni all the time and I hated it. I cannot design posters. Can you not? Right. <laughs> to save my life. I can't do it, and I will hold my hands up and say I'm absolutely terrible about, at it. Like, I literally, almost every single brief I had at uni, we had to do some kind of advertising campaign and poster, and I, I actually detested it. Like, I hated it so much. Um... So, yeah, I think just anything that would be the opposite of that. See, I used to have to bash out so many posters at my old work. So I used to work for, Mm. like, a holiday park. And there was always, like, posters up around the site. So I would literally bash out posters nonstop. So I kind of got used to doing it. Um, But, yeah, I don't... I just can't make them look good. (laughs) It's it's hard, isn't it? How hard I try. To get everything on one page, I find Mm -hmm. quite hard and... It's, yeah, you have to sort of know what you're doing to do posters. Right, should we go on to the next question? Yeah. Okay, so I've got, do you think it's important to follow your own style? I love doing my own thing, but I worry that people expect a certain style slash to follow certain design trends. I was spoken about this recently on my Instagram, and... Part of me, and I think even when we first started this podcast, I would have said, yes, it is so important to have your own style. But I think my perception of that has very much changed now. I think it's really important to have your own branding and your own personal identity. But in terms of a design style, I think it's actually slightly more important to be more flexible and diverse. Because as you can imagine, not every single business or every single client is going to want the same style. So I think being able to switch things up depending on the client you're working for and using the strategy as your influencing factor rather than trying to stick to your style, um, it gives you so much freedom. It does. And I have gone through so many phases of my style and I've talked about this a lot, but um, I kind of went through a bit of a stage at the beginning of this year where everything I was doing was minimal and, you know, very clean. And I think if I would get a brief that was, oh, we want something really bright and fun and colourful, I would avoid it. And I don't do that anymore because I like designing all kinds of stuff. And the only reason I would stick to those minimal logos and branding is because that was my branding. Does that make sense? That makes sense, yeah. I think when I think of it, I know we've spoken about sort of niching down in um, Mm. one of our recent episodes. I think it's depends I think it's just down to your preference so if your 
trying to attract certain clients, then niche down on that specific industry. But if you're wanting to sort of niche down with your design, then maybe yes, stick to that certain style if that's Mm -hmm. the sort of audience that you want to attract. But for me and Katie, I think we're both similar where we... (laughs) I don't know, I don't stick to a certain design style. I can sort of design to whatever, but I st- it's still me. And it's still, yeah. you, like, if you see my work, you'll probably know that you can that's still, me. You can still identify that it's you that's designed that. That's it, yeah. So yeah, I think it's honestly about your personal preference. If you don't want to stick to your design style and you want to try out loads of stuff, then honestly, just go for it. Who said yeah. that you have to follow the rules? Just do what you think's yeah. best for yourself. I just felt so limited. Yes. You know, I refused to use any colour palettes that were bright, colour, you know, like yeah. really colourful and fun. And, you know, who knows? Maybe I have had a client in the past who would have benefited more from having a bright and colourful palette, but I haven't gone there mm-hmm. because I didn't want to do it. And ultimately, when you think about it, that's not really fair on the client. They should be getting a brand that's for them rather than something that you've chosen because you like it. That's it. And I mean, we say we say this to clients all the time. Don't create based on the things that you like. Yeah. But we, you know, we sometimes fall into the hole of doing that as well. So I think sometimes stepping back and reassessing that is really important. I think it's hard as well. This falls into designers' own personal branding. Yeah. It's so hard. Like, I don't know if this is the same as you, but I struggle with my Instagram posts like sticking to a certain mm. style even though we're always promoting that you should sort of your client should sort of stick to um having like a nice Instagram feed following their brand colors etc but I think it's so hard for designers to do that yeah. because we're constantly finding new colors designs typography and we're kind of just wanting to use them so for me like I don't really follow my personal brand because I, it's really hard to follow it because I yeah. just I feel like I need to just express myself through my Instagram and I'm finding new things to do to do that. And I think as designers it's important to do that because then you can show that you are being creative and it just gives some kind of personality to your page. I mean, I went through a period maybe like a month ago where everything on my feed was like black and white and um kind of like that green shade and it looked boring. Like, I got to a point and I looked at it and I thought, this just looks so plain and boring. And if I was, yes, maybe it matches my brand, but it doesn't show me as a very good designer because it's not very fun and exciting and experimental and creative. And it just wasn't really putting across the same, like, vibe that I wanted to go with. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm always contradicting myself. Probably next week I'll go back to that. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But I can never never stick to something. I'm just really, really bad at that. But I think that's in our nature as designers. I think it's different if you're, like, a product-based business, then, yes, stick stick to your branding, stick to all of that. But if you're a designer and you're trying new stuff and you want to just be free with your work then yeah. yeah you don't have to stick to stuff don't be scared of posting a, a project on your instagram feed because it doesn't match yeah like, come on nobody really cares about that honestly, <laughs> honestly i was looking at my feed the other day and i've kind of just got that like fuck it mentality yeah. honestly like i was looking at it, i was like things don't even match but do you know what i don't even care because the work that i'm putting out i like and if it doesn't match yeah. it doesn't match whatever i'm putting out work that i like and that's all that matters Okay, if you're using a free font, can you send it to a client? 
talk about font licensing in general, please. So I get a lot of questions about font licensing, actually. So many. Um, so yeah, if it's free and it is free for commercial, then I would send my client the link to that yeah. font. Say, yeah, this is free to go. It's You can use it for your commercial use. Um, but obviously, if it is a paid font... Um, I, this is what I do. I know people do things differently, but I don't actually pay for their licensing. I will pay for my own license, use the font um, within their brand. And then at the end of the project, I will say to them, um, this one is paid. Here's the link to a few yep. websites where you can buy them from. Obviously, go and have a look yourself. Just Google the font name um, and you'll find some, some sites mm -hmm. that will give you um, that font. I think generally... Like, it's just really important to make sure that if you are using a free font, it's free for commercial use. If you stumble across anything that says demo or personal use, or even if you're using the font and you don't have all the characters, like, it's normally a warning sign that you shouldn't really be using that font. I wouldn't use anything like no. that for client work unless it was obviously for commercial use. Um especially when you're starting to work with slightly larger scale businesses, they're going to need to have access to those fonts to be able to stay consistent with their own branding. Um, but yeah, normally um, I purchase the desktop license for myself. Um, and this basically will allow myself to use the font. And also it means that I then get to add it into my font library and use it for any future projects. Um, I don't charge the client for this unless they specifically yeah. request a font. And this doesn't happen very often, but if a client comes to me and they go, look, I've seen this font, I really want this font, then I'll charge them for it. Because it's it's their decision, it's their choice to have that yeah. paid font, not mine. Um, whereas obviously I could go away and just like buy 10 fonts to choose from. That's my own personal um, choice. Um, but in that case, I still probably wouldn't send it to them and I'd still expect them to pay for their own. It's just so that they can cover my license. Does that make sense? That makes, I feel like that got quite Yeah, confusing. that makes sense. <laughs> I think when I first started freelancing, I had no idea with fonts. No, it was me really neither. unclear. And I had, uh, yeah, I just was like, do, you, do I have to send my client the font? Do I have to pay for their license? And I found that just buying it for myself and then sort of explaining to my client that this is the process and at the end you're going to have to buy your own font mm -hmm. for your own license and if you obviously want one for your website some um, licensing is a bit different um, so just make sure you're checking what license is for yep. what because I know for website as well you have to sometimes buy yeah the web font yeah the web font for it and I know some places do it so um it's the amount of like views you get on your website. So yeah. it only covers you for specifics. Say if you're reaching only 10K views per month, your license for that font for that use, which is really strange. I, I don't know. think it should I, be done like that. I personally like using, is it my fonts? Yes. Um, I like using that one because you tend to get the web font and the desktop license all in one go. Yeah, Which good. is quite nice because then if you... Let's, for example, say you're doing your own branding and you're just searching through your library and you find a font and you say, yeah, that's my font now. I want to use that one. But you only have the desktop license. It can be really like frustrating to have to go in and then purchase the web one as well. So I like to use my fonts because you get it all together. So it's normally not an yeah. issue. Um, I do have a question, though, and this is genuinely me asking because I feel like I don't know what I would do in this situation. What do you do if you use an Adobe font for a client and then they don't have Adobe. Because obviously 
those fonts are free for us as designers, but sometimes they can be really expensive if you're buying the actual license, like hundreds. Yeah, so I have actually had this before. It's actually been this year. So I used an Adobe font because it was really, really nice. Um, and at the end, I actually, because ha- I didn't have a look how much it would cost and I went and had a look. Mm. I think it was around 80 pound. And to be honest, my client was fine paying that. Um, so I don't know I think before you use Adobe fonts from my experience just go and google the font name and see what comes up so then at least at the end of your project you can you have like a rough mindset of what it's going to cost to buy that font and you can even tell your client look this is the font I'm using it will be this much at the end are you okay with this for me to use this font Mm -hmm. and just see their reaction yeah I think that definitely is a tricky one I mean I've been there done that as well with my clients and they've just ended up kind of paying whatever it was but I think sometimes especially on Adobe fonts because let's imagine using like Helvetica or something like that's that's an expensive Mm -hmm. font um so I think yeah it's just worth googling them I was thinking with with that as well with Adobe fonts how do you use them on your website it's actually quite straightforward. I mean, I know with Squarespace anyway, there's yeah. like a, um, if you go into Adobe, you can use like a type kit or something. I can't remember right off the top of my head, but it is fairly simple to implement them because I've done it quite a lot in the past. Um, yeah. So yeah, it definitely, definitely is possible. Okay, let's move on to the next question. Hopefully that answered your questions about fonts. I know fonts mm-hmm. can be so tricky. So this next question I've just seen, I was speaking to my boyfriend and he actually put a question in and I'm pretty sure this is his oh, question. Really? <laughs> so it says, what personality slash mindset traits are needed to grow a successful business? This is an interesting one. And I feel it like is. this is very relative. So like if we say something and you're like, oh, well, I don't do that. Don't worry. Yeah, everyone's it's gonna not, be different. Yeah, it's not a, any requirements. I think for a start, you have to be really ambitious and almost not afraid to try something new um because you know a lot of people look at things we do and think oh you know you design logos for a living it's not that at all like owning a business is so different to being a designer um and there's a lot of stuff that goes into it and I feel like quite often you have to put yourself out there and say right I'm gonna try this new service I'm gonna see if this works I'm gonna try a new marketing technique and I feel like you just have to not be afraid to give those things a go even if it doesn't work yeah I agree I think I was speaking to my boyfriend about this because me and him are very different I am the sort of person that just sort of wings it and I don't care what happens I will just try something whereas he gets in his head and he stops himself from doing it because he gets all these negative thoughts. And I think to be successful, you have to just have that mentality of go for it, do it. What's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah, exactly. I don't um, get clients, you know. Yeah, just do it. Um, I think just generally being passionate about what you do. There is yeah. no... I mean, some days I get an idea and I will sit and I will work on it for hours and hours and hours. And without that motivation and passion for what I do, I would basically just be doing the bare minimum in my business. And doing the bare minimum isn't going to get you anywhere. Just sitting back and expecting clients to come to you isn't going to get you anywhere. You have to have that level of just excitement for what you do. Yeah, definitely. I think you have to put the time in as well. Um, Yeah. It's not just one of those things where, oh, I can make this and it's done. You have to like 
I work ridiculous hours and I've spoken about this before but without doing that I don't think I would yeah. be in the position that I am today without those late nights me having brainstorming sessions and just doing what I've done no way would I be in the position that I am today yeah I mean just as a little example so a lot of you know I obviously have my template shop um where I sell a lot of awesome resources for designers if you haven't checked that out I mean I probably plug it about every single episode but (laughs) we should go through and like do like loads of clips of you just plugging it oh we should totally do a bloopers I know know. that would be so fun anyway um So I have a project proposal template up there and, you know, it does okay, it does steady, I get a few sales here and there, but I was like, okay, what marketing can I do to really push this? So I sat down and planned out a reel, like I didn't just film it on a whim, I fully planned it and wrote a script and figured out my sales funnel and I had a huge, huge spike in sales just from uploading that one reel and people might look at that and go, I just filmed a quick video it took a lot of planning and a lot of strategic thinking to be able to get to that point. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes, but without that level of, okay, I'm going to go the extra mile, um, you know, it doesn't really, what's the word? You can't exceed yourself. Does that make sense? I think that goes into being organized as well. Yeah. Um, At the start, I was not organized. I (laughs) did not have my shit together. I probably still don't have my shit together now, to be honest. Who does? Um, But I think, I don't know, just organizing your day and pre-planning stuff is going to help you succeed and get stuff done. Mm -hmm. Because in the past, I've just kind of just, I don't know, written stuff down and be like, yeah, I'll get that done. But when you actually have a plan of action of maybe like the next week, three months, five months, six months, whatever, just having a plan and goals for your Mm -hmm. business can really, really help you. I quite like to write down like my quarterly goals. And then yeah. write down what thing, what smaller things I can do to reach that. So it might be something like, okay, I want to get more clients. Um, so my smaller tasks might be to try and post on social media more. Or it might be to explore a new platform. You know, think about the little things that you can do. Um, but would you believe um, I used to just like remember things in my head and wouldn't write them down like if I had a client start date I would just like remember it in my head what like how I used to do that I don't know because now I'm pretty much glued to my calendar I just use the Apple iCal um but yeah I think organization is a huge part of it and the more your business grows I think even if you feel like you're not an organized person you automatically fall into it just because you have to yeah I'm trying to think of something else I think having self-confidence is a big Mm. thing as well so backing yourself hyping yourself hundred percent you have to just do that for yourself because if you don't have that confidence in yourself how are the people gonna have that confidence in you I've seen a lot of people in the past who kind of really feel sorry for themselves because they're not getting anywhere like I'll, I'll have people go like why am I not getting clients I should be getting clients I'm not good enough I'm this I'm that having that mindset isn't going to get you anywhere you have to have a positive mindset 24 7 even if you think oh this particular thing might not work out but I'm still going to give it a go and I'm still going to try my best and I know I'm good at what I do and if it doesn't work out it's I'll try again another time um I think having that mentality of um I'm not good enough or I can't do this you know it's such a negative headspace to be in and I think you just really don't want to want to be in that situation no I think the last thing that I would say that has really 
made me the person I am today and quite successful, I would be being motivated. Like yeah. I, I, I don't know. People message you like, how do you, how are you so motivated? How are you mm. doing this all day? I'm like, it's just because I love it and I'm yeah. motivated to succeed. I'm motivated to do better. I want to grow. I want to become this really cool person that owns <laughs> their own business in the future and has success. And that all comes from being motivated. Have you ever freelanced to another country? How do you handle payments? Um, we had a lot of questions in general about payments and international clients and things like this. So do you wanna kick it off, Abby? Yeah, so I work with actually quite a lot of people from different countries, to be yeah. honest. And the thing that I've found that works for me is just using PayPal, even though they take a percentage which is annoying and I know you mentioned something the other day mm. Katie I think you use Y is it Wise? Yeah I use it was formerly TransferWise but I now use Wise yeah which I'll talk I'll talk about it in a second but so I make sure that I go through friends and family from PayPal because I think it's less of a percentage that they take I don't know that's what I've always done and it's kind of always worked um and yeah that's that's what I use I think it just becomes an issue when you start really raising your prices. I remember yeah. I was talking to a client and the project was about £6,000. Um, that was kind of the total cost of the project. So I calculated it all up. PayPal was going to take £500. And wow. I just sat back and I was like, no, I'm sorry, that's not okay. I, you know, That's I, mad. Yeah, and I, I even said to my client... Um, like I incorporate the that into the price and she just said, is there any way we can kind of get rid of that or et cetera? So I started to use TransferWise or as it's now known, WISE. And oh my goodness, I have no idea why I didn't do this before. I think if you're taking maybe payments up to a thousand, two thousand, it might be okay. I mean, it still does take, take like a large chunk, but not an insane amount. Um, but when you start to reach those bigger figures, it really does become, it eats into your income and it's just not worth it. Um, but yeah, WISE is really easy to use. Um, basically, the client just puts in your bank details and your address and then the money just gets sent to you. There is a very small fee, but I think um, in comparison to PayPal, so they were going to take £500. I think when I used WISE, they only took like, I think it was like 20 or 40 or something like that. So, I mean, the difference That's was That's a lot better. Yeah. yeah. It's and it's, so and it goes better. straight into your bank account as well, which I really like. Um, yeah. So, personally, I've made the switch to that, but I did used to use PayPal for, like, a year, two years. Um, and I I liked it at the time, but now my business is growing. I just I just needed to make that switch. Yeah, I'm um, probably going to do the same um, after August, just make that switch, because it is yeah. so annoying that you have to sort of go, it goes into PayPal, and then you have to sort of transfer that money into your account. And it's just a bit of a faff, to be honest. It really is. And, you know, I, I would say, like, at least 75% of my clients aren't from the UK, if yeah. they are from the UK, I will use just straight up bank transfer because it's just so easy. Um, and then obviously there are no fees with that. Um, but international clients can be a little bit more tricky, but um, they are the majority of my client base. So you do need to kind of make these arrangements. Um, but there are a lot of options out there. I would say just trial and error. Um, just maybe try a few different platforms, see what works for you. And yeah. Okay, so next question I have got for you is best types of projects to go in a new designer portfolio? 
This is an interesting one. I think, um, I can't remember if I wrote this question down, but I think somebody did say something to me like, um, but I haven't worked with any clients before. Like, how am I supposed to build my portfolio? You don't and need to. <laughs> exactly. Passion projects, fake yeah. projects. Oh we my God. We promote like, this so much, don't we? Pa- like anyone that comes to me and asks this, I'm like, literally just bang out 10 passion projects and that's your portfolio. You're yeah. done. I would genuinely say that so many of the projects on my Instagram and on my website aren't real. Um, not to say that I don't work with a lot of real clients because I do, but a lot of the time I don't actually post a lot of my client work because it didn't end up being my own vision or I didn't love it. Do you know what I mean? So I don't post all of my client projects. Um, so I do, I like to fill out my portfolio with passion projects. And the best thing about these is you have complete creative freedom to do what you want. If you find that you're not getting the right clients for you or you want to venture into a new style or a new industry, just do a passion project because it's guaranteed to attract some kind of person that is looking for that. And it's just a really, really great way of filling out your portfolio as well as getting in practice. I mean, no designer gets to where they are without practicing. And it just is a really great way of doing that. It is. Passion projects have just changed the game for designers, Mm -hmm. I think. It's such a good way to fill your portfolio up, especially if you don't have any clients at all and you're wanting to get into the freelance world and really add stuff to your portfolio. So with specific projects, I think it depends on your sort of style, the clients that you want to attract. So maybe sit down, have a think about your dream clients, who they are, who you want to attract, and then base your passion projects off of these clients. So say, for example, you're wanting to attract a candle company. Go and do a candle business, brand up a candle business. And that way those clients will potentially see that passion project and think, Mm -hmm. oh, that looks cool. I want that for my business. I'm going to inquire. I always go through waves of working with specific industries Yeah. because I'll post one project and then all of a sudden I'll get like 10 inquiries from other companies. I've been through that phase with photographers and I've been through that phase with candle companies and I feel like I've worked with so many of those just because they saw the projects I was doing and thought, oh, I could vision that for my own business. I mean, we've talked about this so much before. Did we not do like a whole episode on it? I think we did. I'm trying to think yeah I think it was the attracting your dream clients episode so if you haven't listened to that go and listen to that um but yeah I definitely think don't just go straight into it sit down plan have a think and if you are struggling to come up with briefs there are so many amazing challenges out there I mean I know Abby has the creative glow challenge that's what it's called isn't it and I have the um brand boot camp as well which you can sign up to um on in the link in my bio I think Abby just kind of posts them on her page um There's also as well, if you Google um, like just design briefs or design brief generator, there's so many websites that you can literally go onto as well um, and just click on it and just it will bring some inspiration to you and it will give you that brief as well. So yeah, there's plenty of ways to do it. I always find, I always like to sort of make up my own business and business name. So it's what I like instead of it being someone else. So that's yeah. why I like creating those challenges. Yeah, me too. It's, me. it's like coming up with the whole brand and the name. By the time I get to the end through. of the project, I'm like, I want to make this a real thing. How can I yeah. make this a real thing? <laughs> um, how do you come up with the names for your projects? So depending on what the business is, I will sort of Google words around it. Yeah, and find too. like synonyms and just really cool ways that 
I don't know, because some, some briefs that I see, it's just really like standard name and it's quite like, not boring, but it's just, it is mm-hmm. what it is. Whereas I like to like, like go there'll be like a, like a flower shop and it's called like Flora. Yeah. Or the flower shop. Yeah. Be creative. Like, that's what I mean. I love like finding like really funky names that like, you kind of know what it is. But the word is actually really cool as well. So yeah, yeah like I one like of the that. projects in my brief challenge is called Roots, and it's a hair care brand, and it's all about going back to basics. Yeah, and that's the, it. I love the, that. And like, it's just a real play on words. And I, I love coming up with the names for them. I Same. find it so fun. And if I find I am having a bit of creative block, I look at what other people in the industry are doing. I will genuinely just sit and go through Pinterest and look at my branding boards. And sometimes something just sparks something. But yeah, yeah I think it's just one of those times where. You can sit down and really be creative and that's why I love it so much. What's your least favorite thing about freelancing? Oh this is a good one. Um, I would probably say so when I so I didn't really know that much about freelancing when I started mm. and I used to think that when I become a freelancer, I'm going to have so much more time. I'm going to be able to do this. I'm going to be able to go to my hair appointments when I want. I'm going to be able to go to the doctors when I want. I'm not going to have that. I'm working nine to five. It is just me working my that whenever. Soon came to realise that that was a load of just crap. <laughs> and I'm now working a lot more hours than I need to. Um, I feel this, like though, the more time you put into it now, the more freedom yes. you'll have in the future. It's true, yeah. Um, so I'd say just the time. Um, even though I love what I do, I, I think it's really hard for us freelancers to find a really good balance. And it's only going to come with time, I think. Um, yeah. For now, my goal is to make my business as successful as it can be. So I'm having to put in that time now mm-hmm. for hopefully in the future for me to ease off and sort of back off from my business but you don't get to that stage of having all that freedom without putting in the hard work now like I eventually want to have my own team and I want to be taking on bigger clients with much bigger budgets and much higher prices and none of that stuff is going to be possible if I don't put in the work now yeah so if you want freedom it doesn't just come easily you have to work for it what would you say yours is probably the fear of not earning any money. Really? I think sometimes you have months, and I'm going through this right now, and I swear I say this every single time we film an episode, because um, it just happens to be happening at the time, but yeah. I am going through a bit of a phase where like I'm just not really getting many inquiries. Yeah. And sometimes you go through one of those phases and you think, oh my God, like how on earth am I going to be earning consistent money? if I can't book any clients. And I think every designer experiences this. Um, But again, the more you charge, the less clients you have to take on. You know, I used to be taking on four a month. I'm now on about at least one a month, if not one every two months, because they're much bigger projects, um, a a bigger scale. Um, But I still think that is that, oh my God, I haven't earned half as much this month as I have last month. How on earth am I going to be able to afford this and that? And I think that's just a general anxiety fear. It's not... It's not true at all because I know I'm financially stable, but it's just that kind of fear in the back of your mind of, oh my God, what if I just can't book anyone again? <laughs> yeah, it's scary, isn't it, being mm. freelancer? Because you do, all your months are different. Like, no, my income is so different every yeah. month and it can be quite scary. So, yeah, I'm trying to think of another one. I had one in my head then. Oh, that's it. So another thing that I 
quite missed. So before going freelance, I used to work full time um, as a designer and I worked with a really cool creative team. Yeah. And I missed the like banter, the office like fun times and have like being a freelancer it can get really lonely um I'm just like I'm just sat in my office all day every day there's no one here I'm going a bit crazy like which is why I think it's so important if you feel like you are in that situation to reach out to other designers I mean I know Abby and I we have almost like a little kind of friend group of like designers that we literally just talk to every single day and it's not even just design stuff we talk about you know we're actually friends and um we're trying to plan like meetups and things like that and I think it's just so important to have that if you are working on your own because it can get lonely and just putting yourself out there and trying to be a bit social can really ease that pressure so the next question is about finances so do you hire an accountant or do you do them yourself so I really like this question because nobody really talks about the accounting side and I feel like it's so I don't know it's so it's just not talked about is it it's because it's boring I'm sorry to the accountants if there's any accountants listening my mum is an accountant my brother's an accountant (laughs) so they're gonna hate me but I just find that sort of stuff really boring um and that's probably why not a lot of people talk about it but it is important though because I have not got a clue about finances (laughs) I'm not an accountant I was really bad at maths um I'm sorry but you don't get taught any of these things like how when you become a freelancer you're literally chucked in the deep end. No one gives you any clue about what you should be doing with your accounts. Yeah. Should you be keeping receipts? Should you be keeping your invoices? Do you Should I be invoices? a sole trader or a limited company? Oh my God. All of these things, uh, it can yeah. get so confusing. And especially if you're just a designer, well, not just a designer, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. If you are a designer, your brain isn't necessarily rooted that way. Um, I have done my books myself um, for a long time now. Um, I haven't ever had to do a self-assessment for myself because I just have never really had to. Um, But I I am at the point where that's due. um, So I'm very worried about that. But I am in the process of hiring an accountant. I got to a point where I was like, I just need somebody else to handle it. I'm spending way too much time on this rather than doing what I love. And I just need an expert to come in and help me. And I do highly recommend it accountants um obviously I can't speak for everybody they're not hugely expensive if you're just wanting them to do bookkeeping and stay on top of things obviously if you want them to do loads loads of extra things as well it's going to add up the cost but I think it's one of those business expensive that is definitely affordable um if that's something that you kind of need in your business yeah I think it depends if you kind of like doing that stuff. So yeah. for me, I hate it. Yeah. Um, and if you are starting out and you don't have the money to be sort of spending it on an accountant, then yeah, it's totally doable yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to do the research to know what you've sort of got to do. Um, but I kind of wish that I just took one on at the start so that yeah. everything was fine. Because my mum helps me with mine because she is an accountant. Um, but I think in the future, I probably will have to um, employ or get an, a proper accountant because my mum's only like so far. Especially in. if you're one of these people that really wants to grow your business yes. and like do things outside of work. Like for me, um, obviously I want to get a mortgage at some point in the next couple of years and I just, I think having an accountant is just going to make that process so much easier because yeah. these like the people that handle your mortgage is, is going to see that you've had an accountant and it just, it makes you look like you know what you're doing. Yeah. And again, with um, with taxes and things, I mean, taxes are so confusing. Obviously, we can't speak for like the US and stuff because no. we're from the UK and things are probably handled quite differently here. Um, 
But taxes can be so confusing. I swear in America you have to do your taxes even if you're not self-employed. Really? Correct me if I'm wrong. I could be completely <laughs> I, I could be completely no wrong. Um, but yeah, in the UK you only have to do taxes if you're self-employed. Um, you obviously still get taxed if you are employed, but it just works differently. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent here. Um, taxes are really confusing. And having an accountant helps you to like put things on your expenses that you maybe didn't think about or they help you to save that little bit of money mm-hmm. here or they find thing like ways around things that mean that you not in a scammy illegal way obviously yeah. but they just help you get around ways so that you're not wasting a ton of money um, and they can sort of forecast as well so yeah. what your expenses are or whatever you're going to be earning in the next couple of years they can really help you mm-hmm. with that because that's something that I don't even look at right now are you a sole that... trader or are you a limited company I'm a sole trader at the moment yeah yeah is that what you are yeah I'm a sole trader at the minute but I'm going to be changing to a limited company um why, I think... why? so I was talking to an accountant about this I think when you reach certain income yeah it just becomes much more sustainable because while then you have to pay corporation tax and your personal tax, you yeah. don't have to pay half as much. I think it's a case of taking a really small wage and then taking the rest in dividends so that you're not paying as much tax. And also, if you have a vision of really growing and expanding your business to the point where you have employees and yeah, it's yeah. just so much easier to be separated. Also, another thing, um, which, again, I had no idea about this when I first went into my business. When you're a sole trader, you and your business are one. So yeah. if you ever get into some kind of legal trouble and let's say, which hopefully would never happen, but let's say somebody was trying to sue you, they would be able to take your personal assets as collateral. So like your car, your house. But when you're a limited company that, you you know, you're separate. It's, yeah. it's just your company. Um, so I think that's a really important point as well, just to consider. Um, but yeah, I definitely think I'm going to be changing to a limited company. I think you've just got a kind of weigh up the benefits and yeah see which it's so works. complicated it and is it's yeah. something I didn't sign up for but here we are <laughs> um if you guys think that we would benefit from bringing on an accountant or somebody that knows yeah, about that, that stuff and just having a chat with them in the future um let us know because it's just one of them sides to business that people don't talk about and it's so important I, I wish I didn't say accountants were boring now <laughs> 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 sorry to any accountant <laughs> How do I break the cycle of looking at other freelancers for inspiration, comparing myself too much and then getting overwhelmed at how far behind I am? I'm just starting freelancing on the side of my current job and this is my biggest battle. I think this is every designer's Mm -hmm. thing that they go through because I definitely have been through this. To be honest, I don't go through it much anymore because I feel like I've found who I am as a designer. I've found my style and I've found my thing and I'm running with it. But 100% at the start, I Mm -hmm. used to doubt myself. I used to look at other designers. I used to look at other people's work and think, why the hell am I not good enough? Why is my work not good enough? Why can't I be like them, et cetera, et cetera. And when I was in that mindset... That's when I couldn't be myself. It's like you're having these limiting beliefs and they're stopping you from achieving your full potential. And I used to be like this as well. I would always message other designers that I really admired and be like, I just want to be like you one day. Yeah. And then as I've grown and as I've progressed and become a lot more mature in my business mind, I guess, I've totally stopped comparing myself to other people because you eventually realise like, 
I'm not going to be like anybody else. So there's no point in trying. I'm going to be my own person. And once you kind of get into that mindset of I am who I am and I need to embrace that as much as I can and make myself successful rather than measuring it against other people, um, it becomes a lot easier to manage. So yeah, I don't really compare myself to other people anymore. I definitely used to though, as Abby said. And I definitely think it's one of those biggest struggles that people go through. I think it's easier said than said than done, though, because yeah. you can say like, "Oh yeah, don't compare yourself," blah blah. blah. But I don't know. I'm trying to think like how I managed to get out of that cycle because I get it. It is so hard when I you're think in if that, that if that is somebody that you're looking at constantly and you're just constantly seeing them and it's making you almost a bit not upset, but you're seeing them do so well and you're wondering why you're not doing that. Yeah, block them. Like, yeah. straight up just remove them from your Instagram or, you know, just unfollow them or whatever. Just so that you're not constantly looking at what they're doing. Once you remove those distractions, it becomes a lot easier to focus on yourself. Yeah. I think you've just got to really try and figure out what your style is, who you are as a designer as well. So people are going to want to come for you because of you and your style and your personality as well yeah if you're imitating someone else then that person could go to you or that other person that you're imitating because you're exactly the same because you're trying to copy them you're trying to be like them whereas if you are individual if you are yourself people are more likely to come to you because they want you the amount of accounts that I come across um because sometimes people follow me and I like I'm intrigued by their profile pictures so I click on a page I'm like oh this is really like so-and-so or oh I can really tell that this is inspired by so-and-so like it's so obvious and I even see it sometimes when you know I'll click on people's pages and I can tell that they're very much inspired by me and it's not a problem I don't mind that but I think becoming your own person and breaking away is another way to get those clients because you're your own person there's nobody else like you yeah you don't want to be like everybody else so in that question as well, they mentioned about getting overwhelmed at how far behind yeah. they are as well. And this is another thing. You've always just got to remember that everyone goes at their own pace. Yeah. If someone's someone might be five years older than you and they're five years ahead of the game, you're not going to be in the same position mm-hmm. as someone that's been in the game five years longer than you. You've got to remember you are your own person. You're going at your yeah. pace. Do not follow anyone else. Don't do it because that's when you get in that negative mindset. And it doesn't happen overnight. A lot of people no. might look at Abby or myself or some other designers who you know have a big following and think, well, they're just successful. No. We didn't get successful overnight. It took a lot of time. I started my Instagram page in 2018. It's now 2021. Like, but, I've been doing you know this for a long time. I don't look at myself as a successful person no. yet. Some people, some people might look at me and think, oh my God, she's so successful because of this. But what is success? Success to... Oh, sorry, yeah. I'm getting, like really passionate. But success, <laughs> I can tell. Success to each individual is so different. Your yeah. success might be completely different to what my success is. And you cannot yeah. measure what success is. And I think there are different milestones and different goals. Like for me, I've hit a couple of milestones in my business, but then there are so many more that I'm yet to achieve and that I'm yeah. working towards. And, you know, it, it, success is just so relative. Like yeah. you might consider success to be getting a thousand followers. Somebody else might consider success being 10,000 followers. And both of them, are successful if you think it is successful to you um so yeah I think it's it's so hard and we can sit here and go just don't do it 
but <laughs> I think mindset is about yeah. everything positivity if you are positive and you show those positive vibes you are have that positive energy you're going to get positivity back it's all about your mindset and it's such an important thing mm-hmm. okay next question is how do you split up and juggle working on different client projects at the same time yeah this is this is a, a tough one i think and we all go through different stages like I have been through the point where I've been working on like seven projects at exactly the same time and I've been at the stage where I feel like I'm only working on one project at a time and I always feel like when I'm going through them phases where I'm only working with one client at a time I feel like oh I'm not doing anything sometimes I wake up and I'll be like oh I don't have anything to do today (laughs) and juggling projects can be difficult Because even if you think, right, I'm taking on two clients a month or even, you know, three clients, they eventually overlap because the length of the projects, you don't do a project in two weeks. I would say as a kind of ballpoint, if you find that you are overwhelmed with the amount of people that you're working with, there is one solution and that is raise your prices and take on less clients. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think if you are feeling overwhelmed, there are definitely ways to manage it. But if you do wish that you weren't working with so many people, maybe it's time to reassess your pricing and figure out why can I, how can I work towards working with less people? Yeah, definitely. This question brought up some memories for me. So yeah, when I, <laughs> I first, can imagine. Yeah, when I first started, I kid you not, I looked back at my accounts and I'm not even joking. I think I worked with like 25 clients in one month. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I know. I was like, how did this? But that was honestly when I was bashing out literally like two logo designs in like a day. Um, And I'm trying to think how I juggled it. I just, I think I just worked ridiculous hours. And um, once I'd sort of done a project, I literally just moved on to the next project. Done a project, moved on to the next project. I think you have to just be really organized and pre-plan your month. So Mm -hmm. say if you are booking in a client. So for example, now I probably work with two to three clients in one month. Yeah. Um, But I always go on how big my client's package is. So if I've just got one that is just branding and they haven't opted for any more like collateral then that means I can probably take on an extra client because I know that once that project is finished um that's it done I don't have to produce anything else whereas if I've got a client that we've got a massive package I might only work with one that one client because the price is going to be higher because their package is a lot more meaning that it takes more time uh, exactly yeah so you kind of just have to trial and error see how many clients you can take on in the month see how big their package is and then just go from there honestly it is trial and error I've managed to get it down to what it is now but that was because I sometimes I think I took like six clients on in a month and I was like this is too much now yeah Um, and then I had to dial it down and then now I know that two to three is perfect for me I feel like (laughs) and I'm gonna turn into Abby with the last question now hustle culture is very much expected in our industry or any kind of business for that matter. People expect us to be working 24 seven around the clock and you see people doing that and think that's what you're supposed to do. Taking a day off, taking time out, going into town for an hour or two hours during the day, that is fine and you should be doing that. Don't feel like you have to be taking on a million and one clients and working 24-7 and working into the middle of the night because you don't have to do that. And there are definitely ways that you can 
position your business where you don't do that. And I feel like I'm currently at a point where I'm doing that. And do you know why that is? Is because you've raised your prices. Yeah. And you can t- you can afford to take on one client mm-hmm. now because your prices are exactly where you want them to be, meaning that your income is is fine for that month. Yeah. I do and sometimes worry that people look at me and go, oh, well, she's not really done much today. Who cares, though, what people think? It's you, you're running your business. I'm still earning money and I'm still doing a lot of work on my own business that's not necessarily client work. Um, yeah. So, you know... I think taking a step back should never be something that you should be ashamed of. So if you are feeling like you're just working with too many clients, I think you just need to assess how you can change that because your happiness at the end of the day is the most important thing. And if you're working around the clock 24-7, and we've all been there, um, I do still sometimes have days where I will work from 6 in the morning until 10 at night. Like, it's not always the way forward. And it probably is going to lead to burnout and then you're not going to be able to work for a month. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No. You just need to really prioritise yourself. And if you want more freedom to go and do something on the weekend with your friends rather than working, give yourself that freedom. And obviously, the biggest way you can achieve that is by raising your prices. Which I think leads quite well onto the next question, which is how do I avoid clients that are fishing for prices? So, I don't know. With cl- with potential clients trying to fish for prices I think at the start I didn't really care if clients were doing that because in my head I wanted to take on as many clients as possible I wanted to make sure I was getting paid for the month so at the start I didn't really care but now my mindset has completely changed and I do care if people are fishing for prices um you will be able to tell when they're doing this because the first question that they will ask is hey how much do you design logos for yeah. And that is when you know that someone is price shopping um, and that is the sort of client that you don't really want to work with because they're only in it for the price. They're not in it for you. They're not in it for your design style, etc. I am ruthless with my inquiries the other day. And some other girls were saying this to me the other day. I, I got an inquiry through and it was for like a business that, to be honest, I wasn't really very interested in. I actually spotted a couple of red flags and their budget was 5 to 15k. Wow. And I sent this in the group in our little group chat and I was like, oh God, look at this. I'm not gonna take on this client because of da da da. And everyone was like, Why? <laughs> that, is such <laughs> crazy. A, that is such a big budget. You should just take it on anyway. And I was like, No, because I I know that it's gonna be a nightmare. I know that I'm not it wasn't it was like a tech company. And I mean, if anybody's followed me for a while, you know that I absolutely detest working with companies like that. And I think sometimes you just have to take a stance and be like, no, I know for a fact that this person is not right for me. And you just need to be ruthless about it. Um, But I do think that as business owners, we do need to accept some of the responsibility when we are getting inquiries that are like this. It's not entirely the, the client's fault. It's probably because you're attracting them. And if you're attracting these people that don't value your services, what can you do to change that? A big part of what we do is about marketing and positioning and you know we preach this to our own clients so we need to take it on board ourselves. Are you positioning yourself as somebody who is high value? And since I've started really considering this and um, I've learned a lot of my skill in this area from um, the 10k girl gang by Carliana which I highly recommend if you are looking to take your business to the next level but I have really started positioning myself better. And ever since I've started doing that, 
I no longer get inquiries with people who have 200 pound budgets. I no longer get messages saying, how much is it for this? Because this is so true. Because it, I, I'm positioning myself to a point where somebody like that would click on my page and go, oh no, she's going to be expensive. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that's so true. I was just thinking back to when I was in the first few months of my business and the amount of messages that I think it's as well because I used to deal with everything over DMs yeah and that's where it's unprofessional we've spoken about this before but yeah I used to get so many inquiries that would ask how much for a logo do you do logo design well of course I do bloody logo design you're on my page (laughs) um and whereas now like Katie said I barely get those questions anymore I get really good inquiries where people are passionate whereas I never used to get that and that is all because of the way that we have positioned Mm -hmm. ourselves. and I think a lot of people and I again I made a post about this recently I get dms how can I find clients you need to flip that on its head and say no how can clients find me yeah what can I do to ensure that these dream clients are coming to my page and wanting to work with me specifically And there are so many ways and techniques that you can do this that obviously we're not going to get into. Again, highly recommend the 10K Girl Gang course if um, you are looking to do that. It is an investment, but I promise you that you will make it back ASAP. Um, Which actually, we had another question about what kind of masterminds and things we're in. So if you wanted to know that, that's what I do. (laughs) Um, But yeah, seriously, like you just need to, you need to get into the head of a business owner and you need to think, what marketing strategy, what sales funnel can I implement to make sure that these people are coming to my page? Um, And it it can be a lot of work, but it's what's necessary if you want to start working with more dream clients. So that is everything that we had time for today. I really hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. It's been really fun um, answering some of your questions and doing an episode that doesn't necessarily have um, a specific topic. It's been nice to talk about all kinds of different things. Um, Hopefully we will do more of these in the future. Make sure to go and give us a follow over at Off Air Pod because unfortunately this is the final episode of season one. Don't worry, we will be coming back for more and we will be updating you when that is happening. We will have some bonus episodes episodes coming soon and then a brand new season coming later in the year hopefully but we will still be posting over on instagram and make sure to check out when we will be doing our finale party live because we would love for you all to get involved in that 